Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hey there. How are you doing today? I'll share that it feels like we're turning a corner and can start making plans for things we can do sometime later this year. I realized yesterday how much I missed having things in the mid-near future to look forward to. I also started today watching the sunrise while swimming, so that was awesome. And I also realized that daylight savings time, of which I am a fan, will rip that away from me next Monday. Happy to be there nonetheless. I know many of us have connected through LinkedIn, which I am very grateful to have done. If you want to know how to do more of that for yourself, this episode is for you. I met today's guest on Clubhouse in a room about LinkedIn, and we connected immediately. Enjoy this interview with Rachel Simon. All right. My guest today is Rachel Simon. She's the founder and CEO of Connect the Dots Digital. She works with company leaders, subject matter experts, sales teams, and other customer-facing professionals to highlight their credibility, and showcase themselves as thought leaders on LinkedIn. And, apparently, a karaoke enthusiast. (laughs) Welcome, Rachel. Thank you. And yes, that is true about karaoke. So, yeah, to start, we're going to drop the needle on some David Bowie and see what you got at 10 and 1. (laughs) (laughs) No. We're going to talk about LinkedIn. I don't think we've ever actually covered LinkedIn, certainly not in detail on this podcast. It's not just a place to store your resume anymore. I think people are getting that idea. It hasn't reached everyone yet, but it's a place where you can actually expand your network and do real business. So let's talk about how marketers and salespeople can take advantage of it. To start off, talk about the the hidden value or underutilized value of LinkedIn. Sure. So like you said, when we all joined, whenever that was, I think I joined in 2009 or it's been a long time. It was thought of as like your resume, your online resume and join, set your profile up, connect with anyone you've ever met and, and you're done. And then you don't need it again until you're looking for a job. But the change, it's really changed over the last, I'd say five years where people are realizing the value of LinkedIn is in showcasing your expertise and value in front of your target audience. And so profiles have changed in that regard where they're much more focused on who you are, what you do, and not this is my title at XYZ company period. I'm done. Content is really where the fun starts, where you can showcase that expertise and put out posts like how LinkedIn can relate to karaoke, like I did. Which is what I saw yesterday that gave me that. (laughs) Right. Where you can talk about your area of expertise, but relate it to something that people connect with and that shows who you are as an actual human person because at the end of the day we want to connect with people because people do business with people that they know and so we want to create ourselves in that in that regard it's that know and trust thing and it's become an incredible platform for people 
to establish that no can trust by either writing content or video or, or whatever you want to put up there. You mentioned profiles and they used to be the, as you say, resume, what I have done. Now it's more about what I can do. Talk about those. Sure. What the sort of starting from the top down. So number one, making your profile visually interesting. So utilizing a great profile photo where you're looking at the camera, making eye contact with your audience, professionally dressed. It's not blurry. You're not with your dog. I love my dog, but my dog does not have a place on my LinkedIn profile picture. That's very important. Also making sure your profile photo is visible to everyone so that people who are not in your first degree network can see your photo when they're doing searches or you're engaging on other people's content. That's very important. Your header photo is the other piece that um, is often forgotten about, which is that banner at the top of your profile where you can use it in a couple of ways. If you work for a company, it's great to see if they have a image you can use to help tie in the branding to what you're currently doing. If you are not interested in doing that, you can choose a photo that sort of speaks to something about you personally. One thing I recommend if people are not sure what to do with that is put up a great photo of your city skyline if that works for you. That seems comfortable. If there's a specific place that is meaningful to you, that's great too. I wouldn't recommend putting up a picture of your family like you would on Facebook in that picture. Or if you have your own business like I do, that's really important to utilize that space almost like a billboard to talk about what your company does and pull your branding in to make it more visually connected to you. So the pictures are really important. The next piece is your headline. So the default is if you put in a new position, I'm the director of marketing at XYZ company, LinkedIn for whatever reason defaults that as your headline. I definitely recommend not doing that. So we don't want that default headline. We want to create a headline that talks about the value you offer and where your areas of expertise are. And then you can add your title and your company, but really leading with the, the why, what do you do? Who do you do it for? There's some people like to use a formula, like I help blank with blank to do blank. So something along those lines, but that headline is super important because it goes everywhere with you on LinkedIn. Moving down, the next really important piece is your about can I have section. You, oh, sure. Just to ask and, and to highlight something about headlines, keyword or search, talk about making sure that the right words are in there because that's a primary component, if I understand correctly, of how you get found through search. Is Correct. That right? Yes. Yeah, so if you are, let's say you're in a healthcare startup company, adding in those key terms, entrepreneur focused on healthcare outcomes in something startup or something along those lines. So having those keywords is important in that headline for that exact reason that it's searchable and it's going to be indexed when people are doing various searches, whether that is to add to their network, recruiters using it, people using Sales Navigator, all those things, those words are going to be indexed by LinkedIn. Got it. Yes. Good point. So your about section is where I think some of the biggest changes have been made over the last couple of years. So it used to be really like pull your bio from 
your company website or if you were speaking somewhere and someone's introducing you. The old style would be like, Rachel Simon is the founder of Connect the Dots Digital. She has blah, blah years experience doing X, Y, Z. It's fine, but it's very kind of old school, maybe a little bit dry. The style now is really to utilize that section to talk about who you are. Why are you in this industry? Why are you passionate about this? Where did this come from? What was your journey to get here? If you're a business owner, talk about your business and the various services that your business offers. So you can use that in two, a couple of different ways. People have gotten very creative with this section and you can also want to use little emojis and things, not too much, but check marks, dots, things like that to break up the text. So it's not just big blocks of text that are hard to read. So balancing the content and the visual interest so that your audience wants to read all about you. And I like to add a how to get in touch with the person at the end, make it easier for your audience. And then you want to just fill out the rest, your experience section, your skills. Those are super important too. The skills are also searchable and indexed by LinkedIn. So making sure that you have all of the appropriate skills that relate to what you do and what you want to be known for is really important and recommendations are icing on the cake for that social proof. Yeah. Any particular mistakes that people should avoid? Oh, mistakes. Incomplete profiles would be my number one. Not you not you, putting a photo in that headline header section, that's very common. Again, using that default for your headline. I would definitely not recommend doing that, but too often profiles are incomplete and it's just a missed opportunity. LinkedIn gives users so much opportunity and information to include. So as an example, if you are like a writer, if you write a lot of articles that get published, there's a place to include those. If you are a member of multiple organizations that hold a lot of weight in your um, industry, there's a place to include those. So not including those could be potentially a loss to showcase your value to potential targets or audience members. Nice. So then let's move on to connections. So a couple of ways to get connections. Of course, you can reach out to people. And at the beginning of LinkedIn, it really was discouraged, I think, to not connect to people you didn't know. Because you might be asked for a referral. And if you didn't know them, it wouldn't do any good. I don't I think people have gotten past that now because they're looking to meet other people. And you can reach out or you can attract people with your content. So let's take those one at a time. What are your recommendations for inviting connections, even to people you don't know? Um, so it's always best practice to include a, a message when you reach out to somebody and not the, hi, I see we're both in XYZ industry. Let's connect. That's fine. It's very, it's a pretty generic message. I don't think it's the worst message to include, but a really solid approach is to spend a little time looking at somebody's profile and pull some piece out of there that you can include in a message. So perhaps you both went to the same school. That's an easy one. Or you worked for the same company at some point. Hey, I see you worked at Ernst & Young. I worked there in the early 2000s, something along those lines. What? is then the next level would be look at their recent content. Can you pull something from there? I really liked what you had to say about XYZ trend 
in this industry, I'd love to connect. Or maybe somebody commented on a post that of a shared connection. I really liked what you had to say on Chris's post. Very interesting point of view. I'd love to connect. So using those little pieces of information that you can pull makes a huge impact. Sometimes you can be general in that back in the day when we attended conferences, <laughs> and they'll be back I'm sure at some point, if you got the list in advance of who was attending and there were people on there that you want to connect with, it's totally, it's a great strategy to say, hey, I see we're both attending this conference, I'd love to connect in advance. That works too. Or if you both attend a webinar or look, we met through a clubhouse room. Like I really loved what you had to say in the clubhouse room. I'd love to connect. So making it some personal, including something personal really does make a big difference, especially when you don't know the person. Yeah, I think I'm pretty open to accepting most connections, except for example, this morning I got more of a generic invitation that I really couldn't see the reason to connect. And so I declined that one, but most of the time I will. And if I'm looking for connections, if I don't see anything where I can comment, I'm not sure it's gonna turn into anything anyway. I have lots of connections who I will never speak to. That's fine. They're connected to other people in the industry and you never know when those things are gonna pop up and, and there will be a reason to get in touch with each other. That has happened as well. But just blindly reaching out to people in your industry because you think you might want to sell something to them at some point is probably not not good on either end. Yeah, and right. I've gotten to the point where I can usually pretty accurately tell if someone wants to sell me something. And sometimes they'll include a message and it's pretty obvious that if I accept, I'm going to get pitched immediately. I think sometimes when you don't send a message, again, I'll accept people. They don't have to send a message. However, it puts the onus on me to have to go. I have to spend time looking at their profile and decide, does this person feel like a good fit for my network or not? So I just think it's a nice to tell people what, why you want to connect with them. Right. So fortunately for me, Creating content is my job. So that makes it a little bit easier to put content on LinkedIn. Not always, I'll promise you. But how can companies or individuals use content to attract business? In my experience, a lot of companies, when they think LinkedIn, they think company page. And the company page is important because there's a lot that goes into branding. You wanna have the brand come through on all of your various platforms. But the real magic, the real good stuff happens when individuals are engaged with content on the platform versus the company page. Because think about your own, the way you use things, it's more likely you're going to comment on a person's post versus a company's post, unless that company is super com So when individuals can put out information that helps push their expertise forward without being overly salesy, that's where, that's what we're trying to achieve as an example. And I'll go back to my karaoke post. Now, that's a very personal post, right? I even put up an old photo of and my, a friend and me singing karaoke from many years ago. But 
I used karaoke as the metaphor of how I want to approach my LinkedIn content strategy. So the, the topic pulls people in, but hopefully they're connecting me with helping people use LinkedIn more effectively at the end of the day. So every post doesn't have to be to that level of personal information, but finding a way to marry your sort of persona and your personality with what you do is really ideal. So the challenge is just thinking about where do you start? And that's where a lot of companies, I think, struggle. And it can be as simple as making a list of what are the core topics that you can talk to. And that's what I have a notebook filled with like just ideas, different things to talk about on LinkedIn, different things to talk about content creation. And if you can just start thinking about these are my core topic areas and then I can expand outward from there, that's a way to get the ball rolling. For people who listen to this podcast regularly, it's still just standard content marketing, all kinds of levels of content, trying to get people to engage with you, whether it's text or video or audio or what have you. I am going to try to find, or I will find that post you made yesterday about the karaoke because it really was valuable. So you started out like at the first level, before you start drinking, there's the standards. And then there's the ones you can sing really well. And then you might stretch on the next one. And then later on in the evening, you might be going for a little more complicated stuff. That's an oversimplification, I am sure. But I thought it was a good post. Oh, thank you. And um, reveals something about you. Correct. That I have no shame and I need no liquid courage to get up on the stage <laughs> and sing in front of my friends. My personal goal when posting content on LinkedIn is I want my personality to come through first and foremost because people, I want people to understand that the person that they see here is who they would get if they engaged to work with me one-on-one. -on -one. And I think, again, that's my plan. That's my strategy. Everyone's strategy isn't going to be the same. And that's what I think is great about the platform is that it is absolutely not a one-size-fits-all. Obviously, there are best practices and things that work better than others. But if everything worked the same for everybody, it would be boring. Exactly. And going back, not to belabor your post, but that whole idea, like when you start to post, you don't know how people are going to react. So you can be, you would tend to be somewhat conservative in the kinds of things you post. Mm -hmm. As you start to get more and more positive reactions, you feel a little more free to say, okay, I know I'm doing okay with my potential audience. Now I might try something a little more humorous or something a little more offbeat and see how it goes. Knowing that your entire audience isn't just going to click un unfollow <laughs> because of one post. And that's how I feel about this podcast as I've gone on for this is now I'm in my seventh or eighth year of doing this. Seventh year, I think, starting. I feel free to do a few more wacky things <laughs> in the podcast knowing that, okay, it's going to be all right. What would you say to companies who worry about their brand when employees are posting? That's a really good question. I think that companies have to let their employees have a little range. That being said, and I'll use someone who I follow on LinkedIn, who's she's in the financial services industry where there's a lot of her compliance team is they're very strict about what they can and they cannot post. And she has managed to put out 
content that is so incredibly engaging because she's showing herself versus talking a lot about the financial services industry. And I think it's similarly, you're going to want to work with somebody who you like as a person. And so that's what she's creating uh, content that shows her as very likable and relatable in a number of ways. I think there, obviously, certain industries, there's a lot of like walls and barriers around them, like financial, obviously, attorneys. I know that we had, I've had conversations uh, with law firms in the past about LinkedIn, and there's just so many challenges, obviously, because you don't want to put something out that is a problem with potential one of their clients. But for most norm, for most industries, I think that if brands empower their employees to a certain degree, they will reap the benefit of it. Meaning, let your employees find that balance between personality and brand forward, and the brand will benefit from it in the long run. I always like to think your employees are out there talking to potential customers anyway, and you can't monitor every interaction. And then it's the personal interactions that are more engaging and less risky from a compliance point of view, because you're not going into the weeds of the things that could be problematic. I think when companies try to manage it too much, okay, here, we wrote up three different posts for you all to share. It comes through very inauthentically. And I don't say that from a place of judgment. I understand it can feel very uncomfortable to give that level of freedom to your team, particularly if you work for a big team. But giving parameters is different than giving scripts. And I think when scripts are given, it just doesn't, it just falls flat. That content isn't going to be as successful. Bingo. Yeah. Lay out the guardrails, give people, and then trust them to do the right thing, I think. You told me uh, in a previous conversation that a CEO can do a lot to support their sales team through LinkedIn. Talk a little bit about that. Sure, yeah. So when when the C-suite is empowered to engage on LinkedIn and to build their network, there's they really are a huge benefit and value add to their sales team. So a CEO sending a connection request to peer decision makers in their industry, it's more likely it will be accepted versus the business development team because as much as sales are tremendously important, obviously, in every single company, but sometimes people get scared away when they see sales or business development in a headline because they feel like they're immediately going to get pitched. And obviously, the best salespeople know better than to do that. But when the CEO or whomever else in the C-suite is engaging with their targets, then any conversations that are had can be delivered to the sales team as a warm lead. There's already a connection in with potential company that they want to be working with. Uh, So I worked with a CEO of a healthcare company for many years, and that was what we saw. He would be connecting out with other decision makers in various health systems and hospitals around the country, and then conversations were happening. And when the sales team was looking for to get in certain parts of the country, he, they already had a connection through their CEO, and it worked very well. Nice. So if folks follow your advice and fix their profile p- photos and headlines and put up some content, then they're going to expect overnight success. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Next week, the ball is rolling. They can expect it, but they will be very disappointed. So, so just, what's realistic? What does it take? It takes a good amount of time. So I would say at least three months to start to see traction, more like six to 12 to really see results. And that is because just like anything good in life, it takes time to build. Like most things don't are not overnight success unless you happen to be like, I don't know, my kids who are on TikTok all day. Someone's TikTok famous <laughs> overnight. Okay, that's very unusual. You have to build a following. You're building your network. You have to build your authority on the platform and your credibility, and that takes a lot of time. And so yeah. realistic expectations are very important. And too many people get um, frustrated. Oh, I've been doing this for two months and nothing's happening. Well, it takes a lot longer than two months. So patience is extremely important, but most things in marketing are like that too. I don't think any marketer, whether you're doing website, pay-per-click ads, email marketing, nobody is gonna say this is gonna work in two weeks or a month. Yeah, everything good, as you say, takes time. First of all, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. You can hope that you're going to be successful this month or next month. But if you're not, then you're going to try something else for two months. And that's not going to work either. Pick your strategy and stick with it. And over time, I think the results on LinkedIn can be, it's been personally great for me. Yeah, so. I I think we need to celebrate the small wins too. And one of the things that I've seen that I think is a good indication that things are moving in the right direction is profile views. So we don't get a lot of analytics from personal profiles, but one thing you do get is profile views. And so if you see your profile views slowly creeping up every week with obviously a little bit of dips here and there, but for the most part, if, this, if the plot line is trending upward, then things are going in the right direction. More people coming to your profile, that's an active, they're taking an action to come to your profile and that is um, meaningful. That's a great point. And you, know, you get that because they saw you or saw someone else interact with you that they knew and had enough interest to go look at you. And when those profile views go up now, or they're searching and you're being found more and maybe that's part of the algorithm moving you up on the list because they see that the things you were doing are paying off even though you might not see it just looking at your laptop. You might not see what's actually happening with your stuff. Correct. And again, these small wins I think are important to just acknowledge. It's okay if you don't have a post that gets 30,000 views. Those are few and far between. And probably you're going to have one post that does amazing and then your next post is going to be like normal. <laughs> and I can tell you from my experience, you never can predict which ones are going to go. I know. Isn't it weird? I put one up a couple weeks ago just to crowdsourcing on productivity tools. Like I literally spent about two minutes writing it and it got a huge number of views. And the post that I spend 30 minutes just like finessing to get perfect and I think they're going to be great are like, eh, they're okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's why you should make all, sure all of your stuff is good, but put it all out. And 
and just keep going. And yeah. that's true, I think, of all content. So I'm going to put a link to your profile Great. in the show notes for this episode so people can contact you. Any other parting advice for our listeners? I would just say have fun with it. Don't second guess it. Don't overanalyze. Just start. Set a goal for yourself. Set an achievable goal as far as content is concerned. And so if an achievable goal is one post a week to start, then hit that one post a week. And then you can inc- then you can move to two posts a week. But when you set out and be like, all right, I'm ready. I'm going to post five posts a week. And you can do it for two weeks and then life gets in the way. And then you don't post again for a month. Better to take those, you know, 10 content ideas <laughs> and spread them out over 10 weeks to have that consistency. So achievable goals that where you can po- be consistent with your posting cadence to set yourself up for that long-term success. I think that's great advice. That's one I could use a little more myself. So Rachel Simon, thank you so much for sharing all your LinkedIn secrets with us today. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Do you have some new ideas about how you can take more advantage of LinkedIn? We just scratched the surface here and could certainly go deeper on what kind of content would help you engage with more of the right people. I'm happy to chat about that if it's of interest. As always, I'd love it if you'd wander over to the water cooler and tell two people how much you enjoy this podcast because if you listen this far, you found it useful or you are very focused on folding your laundry or some other task. My next episode... We'll talk about the value of segmentation and the challenges that brings in terms of delivering your message across different groups. Have a great two weeks. Bye-bye.